You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. I honestly don't think there's another song that undoes me the way that John Mark song does. What's that line? Have I tried to scale your walls in vain? To cross your seas, I pushed against your waves. And what for all the miles have you to say? Were you there beside me this whole way? That just gets me every single time. I I was like... I was all ready to preach this morning. I had my stuff together. I was poised and strong. And then, wham, just totally undone with that thought. Because, I mean, I think we can all relate to that concept where we're traveling a distance and it doesn't seem like God is with us very much. And then... And then somewhere along the way, we look backwards and we have that realization, that stunning realization that he was with us the whole time. And it's almost like you get undone when you realize that because all the, all of the bitterness of the days where you thought you were alone become this extraordinary sweetness in the moment that you realize that. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's just a very... I don't know. It's it's just an interesting dynamic the way that works. But I uh, do want to go ahead and apologize for preaching this morning. Some people say that preaching is dumb and listening to preaching is even dumber. And there's... There's a little bit of truth to that. There's a, there's a foolishness associated with preaching the gospel. Because the gospel itself is foolishness. To stand in the middle of this world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ is to partake in the foolishness of following Jesus. To gather together And to listen to the gospel is to participate in the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel. But there is something so powerful within that, isn't there? There's something that is actually meant to change us and to change the world. Amen? So I'm going to talk to you about something this morning that's actually rather simple. I'm going to talk to you about... The belief, the priceless gift. And I'm really, as usual, I'm telling you stuff that I'm just working out in my own life. I think the best preachers that I know of are like, if, if they're really being honest, what they're doing is they're giving what they're going through. Amen. So there's a little bit of weakness involved in that because preachers don't have all the answers and they don't have all their ducks in a row, but But if they're faithful, if they're faithful to their witness, in some ways, they just break their hearts open and give you what they got. And I honestly, I I love hearing my favorite preachers are people who do that. They're men and women who testify to the goodness of God in their life. And before I get started, I have to tell you about this incredible thing that happened to Amy and I. We became grandparents 11 days ago. Yes. <laughs> Otis King McCaffrey was born two Wednesdays ago. And I'm telling you, I did not know how amazing having a grandson would be. Like, I mean, when, when the McCaffreys brought him home from the hospital, the entire Squires clan just descended upon them in the driveway. And we just... This began weeping over this little bundle, this little sack of bones, you know. It's like babies are just little sacks of bones, you know. They don't say a whole lot, and they're not really much to look at, you know. But this is like this love. You feel this love just exploding out of your chest. And we had, we had grandparents try to tell us this. Like, 
when your grandson gets here, you'll experience the love that you'll never could have imagined. And I, I think I look backwards to before we had kids and people telling us about our kids and, you know, it turned out to be true. Well, it's even more true with your grandkids, man. So we are so in love with little Otis McCaffrey. So when you see him, you know, kiss him, but in a socially distanced way, you know. So um, I'd have to say that lately I've been in a really good season. And it's been good, not because my circumstances have necessarily changed, but because the Lord's gotten a hold of me and he's been helping me. You know, Robin mentioned kind of this in this last season, there's been a lot of shaking that's happened in our own lives. And it, it, it can often feel painful, but there is a treasure inside of that. There's a treasure inherent inside of that shaking. And, and sometimes painful situations are actually meant to accelerate us into the goodness of God. All right. Hopefully you know that. So, uh, here's what, here's what I want to say to you. Your heart is where all of that stuff happens. Okay. Now you, you spend a lot of time in your mind. You spend a lot of time in your body and those are, those are good places to live, but your heart is where God deals with you in the issues of life. All right. And I, I want to, I just want to say this out loud. The Lord is really trying to help us right now. I believe that we're in a season where if we pay attention, God will help us. He's, re- I mean, he always is, but I think, I think I'm feeling that acutely right now. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that's true for you as well. The Lord is trying to help us in this season. Amen. And, and I want to say this. There is a peace that is available to us right now that we so often fail to lay hold of. And this, this peace that the Lord wants to get to us, it's not the peace that you find on a bumper sticker. It's not the peace that's on a slogan, on a sign that you get from Hobby Lobby in the worst font in the world. It's not that kind of peace. It's not something that you put on the wall of your house. This thing is real. This is a peace that's real and it comes from the Lord. And no matter how weak you feel in your body, no matter weak you may be, there is this peace that shows up as a power that is residing on the inside of you that will actually make you unflinching in the most difficult days of your life. Right? Some of us have really struggled recently. We've had some bad days. Some of us have had a season where it's like week upon week recently. Things have gotten really tough. Who has had a bad year? Has anyone had a tough year? I know some people who have had a really hard year. All right? So I want to address something that is kind of floating around the atmosphere that we live in. You know, we're walking through a world. We're walking through a culture we're, we're a part of our culture in our city. And then if you're a part of the body of Christ, you're part of a subculture. And I want to address something that I feel is actually robbing us of the ability to feel the peace of God in our lives. All right. So there's this relatively common idea that's floating around that the gospel of Jesus is difficult to understand. That we can't really be certain what God meant in the scriptures and that the Bible is not only unclear in its claims, but that it lacks any real authority to speak to us. All right. Some of you may not know this, but there is a position that the Bible isn't authoritative. For those who claim to be or identify as Christians. All right. Now, I do want to say this. Theology has been happening for 2000 years, actually longer than that. There are things within scripture that we should wrestle with. They are, there are things that we should work on working out, but there are some things that you, when you go to scripture, they are clear in their intent and they are clear about what they claim. It is possible for you to read the Bible and understand what it's saying to you. 
That is a thing that is true. You as a child of God, if you have the scriptures available to you in your life, you can go to it and you can understand what you're reading. There are times when you will hit passages that you don't understand. That is true. There are things that are difficult to grasp and will take more study and more investigation. But there are many things that you can go straight to the scripture, trust and believe. All right. Are you with me so far? So here's the thing, though. If you have within you any degree of the idea that the Bible is untrustworthy in its witness, then you will have difficulty believing anything that it claims. If there, if there's this idea floating around in your heart and your mind that the scriptures are not trustworthy in their witness, then it is true. When you go to read it, you will have a hard time understanding it. Because sometimes it's saying things to you that you don't want to come in line with. Sometimes the scripture is so clear and so easy to understand that we go, oh, I don't receive that. I don't believe that. I don't bring myself under the submission of this word. But it's not that the Bible is not clear. It's not that the Bible is hard to understand. It's that you don't want to receive what it is saying. All right. Are you with me so far? Okay, so let me tell you where I've been and where I'm going, all right? So I started at some point in my life, I mean, this is, this is maybe the last decade over my life. I've been working through some issues, all right? So at some point in my life, I started entertaining this idea that in order to believe God and follow Jesus, that you had to be really, really smart, You had to be an intellectual to really understand what the Bible was saying. You know, and it was subtle. It was like this subtle thing that kept creeping into my brain because I kept listening to podcasts with really smart people on them, you know. And, And I like podcasts. You should listen to them. I'm not saying don't listen to podcasts. I'm not saying don't listen to thinkers. I'm not saying don't listen to people who have different perspectives on the scripture. Take it all in. But in my course of doing that, something began to be undermined in my life. And I began to think that in order to really understand the scripture, that I had to be an academic, I had to be a philosopher, I had to be a mystic, I had to be a preacher, that you had to have multiple degrees in order to understand it and to, and in order to follow Jesus. And it was amazing to see how my life with God began to suffer the smarter I got. It's like my my walk with Jesus began to diminish the smarter and more intellectual and more philosophical I became. So I was gaining in the land of the intellect, but I was losing in the land of my ability to follow the Lord. In fact, my desire to follow the Lord began to diminish as I became more enamored with my ability to understand the philosophies surrounding the Bible and all of its theologies, my hunger and thirst for the Lord himself got smaller. And I actually began to look down on people who simply believed the Lord and simply followed after him. I began to think that there was something wrong with people who just read the scriptures and did what it said. I began to think there was something amiss in my life because I wasn't, um, I mean, I didn't have my own podcast. I began to judge my spiritual life that way. So there is this massive cultural movement within the church that has actually turned the church in on itself. We have deconstructed or we have talked ourselves out of some of the most precious gifts that God has given us. So this is what I want to start with, y'all. I want to just say that belief is a precious gift from the Lord himself to you and me. All right. So here I am. I'm I'm. 
I'm kind of in this swirl of confusion. I'm in this this swirl of kind of like a real mental mess. And for some reason, I stumbled into this. And this is this is what I do when I don't know what to do. This is what you should do. I read my Bible and I prayed. Oh my gosh, what a revelation, right? Like, we should have a conference about that. That's what we should do. We should have a conference and we should, somebody should just get up and say, read your Bible and pray. Like, that's just an extraordinary thought. But that's what I did. I read my Bible and I prayed. And then over the last year, I just began immersing myself in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John has become a really, really important uh touchstone for me kind of like on a way back to rootedness in faith all right and i just want to read you some passages from the gospel of john and i'm 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 sticking between chapters one and six all right so at the at the beginning of the gospel of john we see john the baptist and and john the apostle through his gospel he's describing john the baptist in this way he's he's using this these terms John the Baptist was sent by God as a witness to testify concerning the light of men. That is Jesus. Now get this. So that through Jesus, all men might believe. God's intention for, for, to send the son was that all men might believe. I don't know about you, but in some ways, that sounds like the most foolish ideal I've ever heard. It's, it's so simple that it's stunning. And it, it's so simple that I would wager that we're actually missing what's actually happening there. God is declaring his intention that through Christ, all men might believe. I know that seems obvious and I know it seems simplistic, but it is important that we hear this. What we can gather from the text of the gospel is that God intends for us to believe. All right, are you with me so far? So here's some passages from from the gospel of John. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, you know this one, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the women's testimony. He told me everything I did. And because of his words, many more became believers. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes, him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And finally, how can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? So, so my point is this. You can say that you disagree with the Bible. That's fine. But you can't say that the Bible isn't clear on what it's proclaiming. And according to the gospel of John, at least in the first six or seven chapters, Jesus uses the word believe in me 22 times expressly, clearly, with intent. There is a transaction and a progress for us from unbelief to belief. He's talking into an unbelieving world. He is talking into a world that is filled with cynicism and skepticism and is looking for religious ways to get to God. And the son of God shows up and he says, believe in me. This is the work of God. It's an incredible situation, y'all. 
It's an incredible situation because what it does is it opens the pathway up to God, to everybody and to anybody. To everybody and anybody who is willing to hear the word, receive the word, and do the word. Sometimes we lack clarity in our lives of following God because we hear the word, profess to not understand it, and then go on with our own lives. But there really is this power, there's this dynamite power that's packed into simply believing the man Jesus Christ and the words that he claimed about himself and the commands that he gave us to follow. Amen? Are you with me? Okay, so here is something we can say without much interpretive difficulty. It is God's hope for us, and it is his heart for us that we believe him. Belief is God's intention for us because it is his way for us. It's not a one-time decision. It's a day-by-day way of following Jesus. Believing in Jesus is the way to follow him. It's active, it's ongoing, and it's present. It's not passive. See, a lot of Christians get confused because they, they said the, the sinner's prayer at some point. They believed in God. They were practicing some type of conversion transaction. And then they, then they kind of walk away from the discipleship part of believing Jesus actively and going on with him in their lives. All right? I mean, it's good to make that decision to follow Jesus at some point in your life, but it doesn't stop there. It goes on. I've, I've stopped. There are times in my life when I have actively stopped following Jesus. I've, be, I've been more of a cultural Christian. I've been somebody who kind of like set the basic tenets of faith to the side and I put on the clothes of being a person who goes to church where the music's good and the preaching's good, but I, I laid aside my heart of faith, my heart of belief, my active participation in discerning what Jesus was saying to me, either through the scripture or by the Holy Spirit or by my brothers and sisters who would be speaking into my life or not. We can do that. We can put all this stuff on the shelf. We can bypass Jesus in our lives. It's so easy to do, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about. But here's the thing. I know this about people because I know this about myself. Sometimes when I go to the scriptures and I look at the word belief and all the times that Jesus says, believe in me or have faith in me or follow me, when I read those words, I hear some kind of abstract burdensome burden. And it is actually the very opposite of that. When Jesus is inviting us into believing him actively, it is actually to lift burdens off of us. Belief is the passageway to having the tyranny of your own thoughts removed from your shoulders. Belief is actually the key to the kingdom where you're no longer a slave to your own opinions and preferences and you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, which is the very thing that he gave us to set us free. Belief is a priceless gift that leads us into the good life of being with the Lord. In the Gospel of John, we see Jesus putting a premium on belief. But here's what he wasn't saying. He wasn't saying you have to work it up. He wasn't saying you got to believe really hard. You got to stand on your head so that faith will come to you. He was not saying you have to work it up. He wasn't even saying that you had to mentally ascend to a list of doctrines. That's kind of cool, isn't it? You, probably some of you in here don't have perfect theology. There are some folks sitting in here who have some wrong ideas about God. Did you know that? 
Where you're sitting right now, you do not have perfect theology. I do not have my doctrine in order. That is not what Jesus is calling us to. He's not calling us to believing perfect doctrine. He's not calling us to being extremely spiritual. When Jesus is using the word belief, he's not saying, come over here to this real esoteric version of life where we sit in the lotus position and fast forever and don't take part in any of the pleasures of the world and all we do is pray and sing kumbaya. That is not what he's talking about. He's not saying that we have to have an incredible intellect. Here's the thing. This is my theory. I can't prove this from the Bible, but this is my working theory. That God chose belief as the way to enter his kingdom because belief is altogether foolish and anyone can do it. That's why he chose it. Because it's a scandal. Belief is simple. It's easy to understand. Anybody can do it. And it's absolutely scandalous to everybody who wants the pathway to be to God to be something other than that. So belief or faith is not a matter of practicing mental assent. It's not a, it's not a matter of you practicing positive confessions. It is a gift from God for you to receive right now. It is yours today. Right now where you sit, you don't have to jump up, say hallelujah. You don't have to do anything like that. Belief, faith, whatever you want to call it, it is a gift of God to you and your only job is to believe it. That's it. I know this is crazy. I know this feels like I'm going backwards talking about something as simple as belief. But I'm trying to persuade you that all our paths forward from today in following Jesus are truly rooted in our belief in him. This week, today, from, from where you're headed into this next week, all of your growth, all of the progress that you have in your relationship with the Lord is hinging upon how much you believe him. Belief is a priceless treasure because by it, we access him. By it, we become free from all manner of tyranny. Let me ask you this. Do you ever get tired of your own thoughts? I get so worn out by my own thoughts all the time. I get, I get tired of having to have opinions. Like, I don't know if, if there's something about the culture that we live in now. It's, it's almost like, you're considered, I don't know, less human or I don't know. You just, if you don't have an opinion on everything that comes down the pike, it is like you're low level. And I feel like people all over the world are getting worn out from that. And the thing is, is that the invitation of the Lord is out of that out of our own opinions, out of our own preferences, out of our own political desires and wills, all of our pursuits of pleasure, all of our pursuits of money, all of our pursuits of all of these other things that, you know, they're not necessarily bad, but you can, you can overemphasize something in your life to the degree that it becomes a really bad taskmaster in your life. And the Lord is beckoning us back into a place where we can hear him again. And what he's saying is simply, believe me enough to follow me. So if you're like me, many times in your life, you just don't know what to do. And the preacher on Sunday who's preached this message about belief isn't exactly helping you in your life. But what I'm realizing now, it's that it's my active belief in Jesus that even in my troubles is making me aware of his presence. 
Many times I find myself stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it's my active belief that opens my heart to the assurance that God is with me. Many times I cannot see the pathway ahead. I don't know what to do. And my belief, as it turns out, is just trusting that God does not necessarily keep troubles at bay, but that he is working all things together for the good of those that love him. That is a word that you can take to the bank. That is a word that you should open up and you should read and you should take it into yourself. Because faith, belief, Following Jesus is not a recipe for you to not have trouble in your life. It's not, church. Any preacher who tells you that is lying. Anybody who tells you that you can have so much faith that you can have all the money that you want all of the time is selling you a t-shirt. They want you to buy tickets to their conference. But there is a faith, there is a belief that is constant it is capable of keeping you through every trouble and trial that comes your way. So here's another thing I want to tell you about belief. Do you know that you can be actively believing and following Jesus and it doesn't mean that you'll feel good about it? Have you ever judged how much belief you have based on how you feel? And if you feel really cruddy, you definitely think that you're not believing God. And then vice versa, when the worship team has finally done a really good job on a Sunday morning and you feel really good, you, you say to yourself, oh, I believe. I believe again. That's not the way this works. Belief is not your good feeling. You can feel badly for a whole lot of years and still be operating in total faith the whole time. In fact, I would say this, that you may very well have feelings of unbelief all the time that you're actively trusting God. You may find yourself in excruciating circumstances that are screaming at you that here is the place where believing Jesus is not even possible. And I love this, I love this story out of the book of Mark. I, I'm pretty sure most of you know it. When, I, when I'm in that place of, of life being excruciating, where it seems like I can't move forward, I can't move back, I can't move back to the city I moved from, because my home's not there anymore, or, or I, can't, I can't go backwards into my 30s when I was really happy, or I can't see any clear uh, place of relief for my current situation, and all I want to do is give up on God because he is apparently not that active in my life. When you get to that place, and all of the Bible scriptures are not making sense. They seem powerless. The prayers are not working. They're falling from the sky. I go to this passage in the book of Mark chapter 9. And there's this dad. This dad comes in contact with Jesus. And this dad has a son who's being afflicted by evil spirits. And he comes to Jesus and he says to the Lord, Lord, I need your help. And Jesus says, well... Here's the thing. All things are possible for those that believe. Jesus, once again, he takes it back to the point of belief. It's totally annoying. But the man prays to me the most important prayer in all of the New Testament scripture. He says this. He says, Lord, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I believe this, that that's a prayer that God answers. Amen. It's a prayer that we need to learn how to pray. One thing that I find so interesting 
that Jesus was calling people to believe in him even before he was crucified, resurrected, and exalted. He was calling people into his kingdom through the conduit of belief even before he had gone to the cross, even before he had resurrected, even before he ascended. It was that important to him. Jesus was inviting people to himself, not to a belief system. Jesus was calling people to himself, not to a new religion. But here's, here's another thing I want to tell you, and I'm going to close pretty soon. But inherent in himself existed a whole new way of being human. Inherent in Jesus calling people not just to believe in some abstract thing out here. He was calling people to himself and all that he represented and all that he commanded and all that he intended for the world to experience. He called us to doing that too. He called us really to who he created us to be. Actually, I would... Dare I say, belief is how you get to be who you really are. Believing and following Jesus is how you become who God really created you to be. There's not another path for you to become your best self except by coming under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Inherent in believing Jesus comes the call to submit ourselves to his way of living life. Believing Jesus means following Jesus. And in the course of that process, you will be called to lay down your belief in other gods. When Jesus is calling us into a relationship with him, to believe him and to follow him, our belief in other gods come into opposition of that. Amen. It is really a point of, I don't know, it's like, it's like having a meeting with Jesus, with Jesus. It's like there is a confrontation going on. Jesus is calling us into this life of being who we really are and following him. But the problem is, we have other gods before him. We don't always know that we do. This is why we need the Holy Spirit active in our life. This is why we need mature believers, brothers, mature brothers and sisters in Christ looking out for our lives because sometimes we don't get it right and we veer off into paths that the Lord doesn't mean us to go into. Believing Jesus means following Jesus, but his burden is light. It's light because you don't have to trust in false gods anymore, and you don't have to trust solely in yourself anymore. When Jesus calls you, you can stop following the false gods of your politics, of your money, of your pleasure, of your will. Believing Jesus is always going to put you at odds with the gods of this world. And, and let me close with this. We don't always give up very easily to the Lord, do we? Sometimes God comes after things in our lives that we want to hold on to. Sometimes God comes after, he wants to deal with our hearts in ways that we don't appreciate because we actually are blind to the strongholds that we have working in our hearts. Jesus is not calling us just to some abstract theory of spiritual understanding. There's actually a footstep that he's walking in that we must follow. And I want to draw your attention to one passage. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Matthew chapter 5, and then I'm going to close. I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to close. But you should all major on the Sermon of the Mount in your life. If you want to know what God is doing, read Matthew's 5 onward.
I mean, read the whole Bible, but this is a really good place to start. If you want to know what God cares about, what he's doing, and what it would look like for you and I to trust and obey him, you could go to this text and you could clearly understand what it's saying. And in obedience to your Lord, you could walk it out. You could work it out. And I'm going to, there's a lot happening, but I'm going to just, I'm going to look at one passage in Matthew 5, starting at verse 40, 43, I believe, or 40, yeah, love your enemies. Jesus is talking to a whole group of people and they all know the law really well. And he's saying to them, listen, you've heard it said this way, but following me, believing in me looks like something you've never seen before. And it goes like this. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not even are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. This is not poetry, church. This is not metaphor. This is not veiled in the midst of some mysterious super spiritual understanding. Jesus is saying this. Believe me. Follow me and do my commands. It's not only important for your life. It's important for the life of the world. Previous to this passage, it's the salt and light passage. He's literally telling his followers, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I still believe that church. The apostle Paul says that the church is the ground and pillar of all truth. When you're walking through your life and you're doing the words that Jesus says, you're literally changing the world. You would not want to imagine the world without the church of the body of Christ. The church has taken a lot of heat lately. And I have to tell you, so much of the critique is fair. So much of the scorn that we have taken over the past decade or so is fair. We have gotten a lot of things wrong, but I would I would hate to see the world without y'all walking through it. There's a clarion call going out from the Holy Spirit. He is beckoning us, Queen City Church specifically. This is who we know. This is who we're talking to. This is who we're walking with and living with. Y'all, Jesus is calling us to a higher level of discipleship in our lives. What worked for us last year is not going to work for us this year. What we skated by with last year, we're not going to be able to skate by with this year. The Holy Spirit is wanting to do stuff with us that we have yet to imagine because we haven't accurately or intently or actively believed the Lord Jesus and his words enough. And let me say this, without putting too heavy a burden on you, there is grace for you today for everything that I'm talking about. All you have to do is say yes to the Lord. Yes, Jesus, lead me into your green pastures. Lead me by your still waters. Lead me by the light of your, your word. Lord, I want to do what you direct me. It starts simply as that. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to... Up your tithe to 25%, we would appreciate it, but you don't have to do anything like that. That's a joke, by the way. My point is, there are not hoops for you to jump through except for picking up the word, reading it, and as best you can, apply it to your life. And the fruit of that, the fruit of that that's going to continue on in your life, not just in your life, but in your friends and family around you, will be, it's exponential. 
It's exponential. I can't tell you how many people Amy and I meet just like walking through the course of this life where um, people who have never had somebody lay hands on them and pray for them before in their life. You know, just, just by exercising the gift of prayer over somebody in their life, you can change their whole world. You would be surprised at how many people are so hungry to be prayed for and they don't even know it until you do it. Until you show up on the scene and bless somebody by just praying for their life. Maybe somebody needs healing. Maybe they don't. Maybe they just got issues like we all do. But the fact that you laid hands on somebody and just asked the Lord to bless them in their life could change everything for that person. And that's who we're called to be, y'all. We're followers of Jesus, and we don't have to make apologies for that. Listen, this is really hilarious. I'm going to tell you all this funny little story, and then I'll, then I'll close. I know I'm wearing you out. I'm sorry. I was on a podcast this week. It was last Monday. There's this beautiful brother named Jared McKenna. He's an Australian guy, and he, he does a lot of work, uh, social justice work. He's, he's um, working on with folks that are in prison and other situations that are really difficult. He does amazing work. And uh, so we're, he and I and another guy, we're talking, we're talking over Zoom and we're having such a good time talking about the Lord. Like, you know, when you're in church and the Holy Spirit seems to like appear in the room and you're like, wow, the temperature just went up three degrees. This is fantastic. And uh, that's, that happened to us on our Zoom call. We were having this podcast, and the Holy Spirit came to the podcast. I mean, kind of crazy, right? So through that, I start, I start telling them I'm like a closet Pentecostal. Like I, I start revealing to them that I speak in tongues and that like I really love the charismatic gifts and all that stuff in the New Testament where Paul's talking about praying for the sick and prophesying. And I'm like, yeah, I believe all that stuff. And they're kind of looking at me sideways and they don't know what to do with it. But I'm OK with that. You know, I, I, I am settled. I am settled on the idea that I can be misunderstood and not lose any sleep over it. You would gain a whole lot of peace if you just settled that. Like if people misunderstand you, it's okay. Like Christianity is absurd. The fact that you believe in a God that you cannot see, that's weird. Just get get over it. Once you're over it, you can go follow Jesus like crazy and have nothing but fun. So I'm on this podcast and they... they they bring up this, I guess over the last couple of weeks, there was this, uh, charismatic lady down in Florida and she was, she was banging on a podium. It was on a video and it went viral. I'm not going to say her name because it doesn't matter, but there was some lady who was in her church and she was praying and somebody grabbed a hold of it and people were making fun of her, right? And they, they asked me this question. They say, Andy, How do you reconcile your hunger for the Holy Spirit with all the crazy charismatic Pentecostal out here doing all of this other stuff? And I said, oh, that's easy. I bear the scorn. That's what I do as a Christian. I bear the scorn. If people are going to scorn you, that's the call. You are not going to get out of this life with people disagreeing with you, being offended by the truth that you believe, attacking you because you hold a position in the world. I mean, it's just kind of par for the course. Let me relieve you of the pressure of, of trying to manage your life to where you're not saying anything offensive. That's a cultural value that's out in the world where you're not allowed to say anything truthful for fear of offending somebody. The gospel is offensive. The gospel is offensive. Jesus is very offensive to a lot of people. And I'm not saying we have to go out and be weird for the sake of being weird. I don't want to do any of that. I want to wear skinny jeans for as long as my old body will let me. You know, I, I put product in my hair. I don't, I, you know, I'm not trying to be John the Baptist, you know. You get my point. Why don't we stand together? Did this help anybody in here today? Well, some of you anyways. All right. 
I think, here's what I like to do. I like to do a little business with God. I don't just like to hear preaching. I like to do a little business with God. So if anything that I've said this morning with regards to maybe you've negotiated away some of the more precious things that the Lord has given you in the past. Maybe you've kind of diminished the value of some of the things that the Lord has deposited inside of you over the course of your following him. And maybe you want to get that stuff back. Hey, the good news is that the Lord is here for that. He can accelerate you right to the place that you need to be. I really believe that. So I'll let you determine what that is. And then let's just raise our hands. Simple as that, as an act of faith. Heavenly Father, we want to just acknowledge this morning how great you are, first of all. We acknowledge that you created us, you made us, you formed us in your image, and you really gave us a pathway to following you. And some of us have left behind some of those really good and precious things that you gave us early on. And I, this is what I pray from the front of this room to the very back that your Holy Spirit would just sweep through here right now and begin to restore the years that the enemy has stolen. Restore things that were lost, Lord. Restore our, even our, our, our imaginations where we could even conceive your goodness in our lives actively working. Lord, I pray right now for folks that you would just heal hearts and minds this morning and begin to fill us up with your Holy Spirit today. Lord, it is our confession that we want to follow you actively in our lives. And talking about something as simple and Christianity 101 as belief, Lord, is really an important thing for us in this day because that's the thing that's being attacked. So Lord, we ask you to give us supernatural help. Make us aware of the gift of faith that resides within us. Make us aware of the gift of faith that already resides in us. We thank you for this in your precious, precious name, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.